You're listening to Voice Acting Mastery, episode number 36. Welcome to the Voice Acting Mastery podcast with Crispin Freeman. VoiceActingMastery.com is your place to learn both the skills and the mindset you need to become a professional voice actor, even if you're just getting started. In each episode of this podcast, you'll discover valuable tips, tricks, and insider information to help you portray characters in animation, video games, and beyond. And now here's your host, voice actor Crispin Freeman. Hi there, my name is Crispin Freeman, and I'll be your guide through the world of voice acting. If you'd like to know more about me, feel free to check out my personal website at www.crispinfreeman.com. This episode of Voice Acting Mastery just happens to fall on Halloween 2012. So, in honor of my favorite holiday, I thought I'd take the opportunity to share my thoughts on how to play villains in voice acting effectively. The villain is one of the most popular types of characters that beginning voice actors tend to want to play, and I often get asked how best to portray larger-than-life villainous characters or psychotic out-of-control antagonists. I've played a number of villains— such as the dark and powerful Duskmon in Digimon, the impetuous and unstable Electro in the spectacular Spider-Man, the brooding and methodical Itachi in Naruto, and the maniacal and demonic Alucard in Helsing. While these villains are definitely fun to play, they can also be challenging, because it takes a certain understanding of their mindset in order to portray them with depth and believability and to avoid sounding flat and one-sided in your performance. So, as a special Halloween treat, let's explore the psychology of the villain. And now, the feature segment. To begin with, let's get three common misconceptions about playing villains out of the way. Misconception number one. You need to have a deep or powerful voice in order to play a villain. This is demonstrably false. Villains come in all shapes and sizes, and each requires their own signature sound. Some male villains are large and intimidating, and require large, deep voices. Darth Vader is such a villain. However, other villains are small and scheming, and require smaller, more sinister performances. Gollum is a prime example of a villain with a conniving sensibility to his voice. Some female villains sound regal and powerful, like Maleficent and Sleeping Beauty. Others sound younger, but are just as deadly, such as Azula from Avatar The Last Airbender. The key is not to have a certain type of voice, but rather to understand what types of villains your voice is appropriate for. Misconception number two. Villains are easier to play because they're so melodramatic. Completely untrue. While some villains are acted in a very heightened style of performance, too often inexperienced voice actors hide behind that stylization and forget their acting fundamentals. You cannot create a compelling villain by overacting or chewing the scenery, as it is called in the theater. You must base your villain on the same acting principles you would use for creating any kind of character. When Mark Hamill voiced the Joker in Batman, he was not just demonstrating a crazy-sounding voice— he was bringing all his acting experience and skill to bear on playing the character of the Joker believably. The voice he used was a product of his acting decisions. Misconception number three. Villains do what they do because they're just evil for evil's sake. This assumption is a surefire way to make your villain sound one-dimensional and for your performance to lack any psychological believability. 
Every villain has an important personal reason why they are pursuing their objectives. You, as an outside observer, may disagree with what a villain is trying to accomplish and find it morally reprehensible. But the villain does not see it that way. The villain feels completely justified in pursuing his or her path. Until you understand that and can empathize with a villain's point of view, you cannot portray them effectively. So, how do you play a villain effectively? Here are three helpful guidelines. Firstly, you need to understand that underneath all their power, bluster, and anger, a villain is actually a very scared or hurt individual who feels helpless. Not what you were expecting? If you take a closer look at a villain, with a compassionate point of view, you will usually find that somewhere in their past, they felt completely helpless and afraid. Revenge, anger, and aggression are a natural reaction to feeling a lack of control over one's own circumstances. In order to play a villain, you must discover what they are upset about. What is their wound? What drives them to such lengths to control others and inflict suffering on people? Even the Dark Lord Sauron from The Lord of the Rings, a seemingly impersonal embodiment of evil, has a personal history and an axe to grind with the powers of goodness in the world of Middle-earth. It may not be immediately obvious from watching the films or reading the books, but if you read J.R.R. Tolkien's backstory of Middle-earth in The Silmarillion, you discover that Sauron was a servant of those forces who felt their freedom was constrained by the creative deities of the world. Sauron's desire to dominate and enslave Middle-earth is in reaction to the perceived lack of freedom that he experienced, and his actions are an effort to destroy the threat the creative gods of Middle-earth pose to him. If you, as an actor, were called upon to voice this kind of character, in order to portray him effectively, you must understand his complaints. You simply cannot label him evil and achieve a nuanced and believable performance. One exception to this rule about a villain being motivated by a personal wound is the truly psychotic individual who, usually because of some chemical or biological imbalance in their brain, has absolutely no sense of sympathy, empathy, or conscience. These characters are actually very few and far between, and rarely are they terribly interesting from a psychological or storytelling perspective, since you can usually predict with certainty what they will do given almost any situation. But for the vast majority of villains, from Maleficent to Azula to Darth Vader to Gollum and even Sauron, you must realize that they feel utterly justified in their struggle against powers that they see as a threat to their existence and their way of life. The second thing you must do when playing a villain is not judge them while performing them. You may find a villain's motivations, beliefs, and actions abhorrent or disgusting, but you cannot let your personal moral judgment of them bleed into your performance. If you do, we as audience members will feel you holding the character at arm's length, as if you don't want to be associated with them. While it might be natural not to want to feel like you would ever do what that villain is doing, what will make your performance believable to an audience is if you discover what part of you does identify with that villain. Consider it an opportunity to explore the darker side of your psyche without suffering any negative consequences in the real world. If you truly channel the side of you that agrees with the villain's point of view, you will become incredibly authentic as that character. A small warning, however, when learning to identify with villains. 
These characters are often attractive to actors because they can allow us to express personal, emotional frustrations through the vehicle of a fictional character. While this can be very seductive and perhaps even cathartic in the moment, always remember that you are playing a villain not for your own psychological satisfaction, but to contribute to a larger story that an audience has paid to enjoy. It's never fun to watch an actor emotionally indulge their personal issues in a performance, especially if it doesn't mesh with or help to achieve the larger goals of the story. It is captivating, however, when an actor brings their intimate understanding of a character's pain to the creation of a nuanced and believable performance which strengthens the entire project. Always play pretend as well as you can, while avoiding turning your performance into a personal therapy session. The third thing you need to understand when playing a villain is that less is more. Often the scariest villain is not the one who screams and wails, but the one who pursues their objectives with ruthless efficiency. If you think about it, most villains are striving to be effective CEOs. They not only have elaborate schemes and henchmen to manage in order to carry out those schemes, but they also tend to need incredible patience in order to bring their complicated plans to fruition. If they are constantly ranting, they not only risk destroying their chances of succeeding in their goals, but they also tend not to inspire confidence in those who want to do their bidding. Powerful people are often quiet in the exercise of their power. Weak people feel the need to raise their voices in order to feel important. You'll notice that the more rant-prone a villain tends to be, the more they come off as comedic rather than ominous. While this is fine if the project you're working on is a comedy, if you're going for a truly intimidating villain, less is really more. So, those are some core helpful ideas for playing a villain. Understand their wound, empathize with the villain, don't judge them, and less is always more when portraying truly diabolical villains. I hope you find these pointers useful, and that you all have a safe and happy Halloween. See you in the next episode. You've been listening to the Voice Acting Mastery Podcast with Crispin Freeman. To get your free report revealing the five most common mistakes to avoid in voice acting, point your web browser to www.freevoiceactinggift.com. Thanks for listening.